Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Well, last week I kicked off a two-part sermon that I called Pure Religion. If you didn't hear the first message, go back and listen to it at liferva.org or on the church app. It will kind of help put these two pieces together. Let me give a shout-out to everybody that's watching online. God bless you. Let's clap our hands for everybody that's joining us online. Last week I talked about, one of the things I talked about was one of our missions partners, Ima's Home for Children, which is an orphanage in the Philippines. I want to say thank you to everybody who responded to the need already. Those of you who are going to continue to respond this year. I'm happy to report, just based off of last Sunday's response alone, I was able to send in four months worth of provision for Ima's Home. We had over $16,000 that came in last Sunday just for Imus Home, and I wrote that check right away. So let me get that out of here to where it goes. Amen. So thank you. Please continue giving to that cause, as I know you will. Now, last week we broke down the first half of James chapter 1, verse 27. That's going to be our text again today. Uh, and I talked about what is religion, talked about specifically what does pure and undefiled religion look like. And James described it as two things. The first part of the verse, he talked about caring for orphans and widows, or in other words, caring for and ministering to, in the broader sense, anyone who's in distress and has been marginalized. We talked about that. But he also mentioned a second part, and that's what I want to talk about here today. Let's go to James 1, 27. If you have your Bibles, James 1, 27. It says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. And then he talks about two things. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. We covered that last week. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. In the New Living Translation, it said it this way. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. The Modern English Version said it this way. Keep oneself unstained by the world. The Living Bible said not soiled or dirtied by our contact with the world. And I love the way the New Century Version put it. He said, keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. Now, I got a question for you. If they felt challenged back in the days of the New Testament and the conservative culture that they were living in, not to be dirtied by the world, how in the world do we endeavor to stay pure in this world that we now live in today? Amen? I want to tell you, it might not be easy, but it is possible. Amen? And as I stated last week, you can be religious and still have a relationship with Jesus at the same time. Oh, I need a little help in this house. Come on now. I covered it in depth last week, but you can love the Lord and still be part of the body of Christ. Amen? You can love Jesus and still be a part of a church. Amen? The church, organized religion as some people call it. You know what? I always laugh when people bash organized religion as if 
unorganized religion is something spectacular, right? You know, yeah, just give me chaos. That's what I want. But, you know, just because there are some bad Christians, some unhealthy churches, even some corrupt leaders, that does not mean that you leave it all behind because of a few bad apples or a few bad experiences. Amen? See, many people, though, also have a problem with religion for a totally different reason. It's because being a disciple of Jesus does come with some expectations and some disciplines. See, nobody hangs from the chandeliers or run the aisles when you say that, right? Nobody gets all excited about that. But hear me, for some folks, as soon as you start talking about developing good habits or getting rid of worldliness in your life or, or loving your neighbor as yourself or forgiving those who trespass against you, you know what happens? The church haters come out of the woodwork and they start screaming about religious oppression or legalism. But folks, that's not the case. What did Jesus say about it? It was real simple. John 14 and 15, he said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Now, this might hurt some people's feelings, but it's true. You cannot be a true disciple of Jesus, a true lover of Jesus, and as you grow as a believer, continue loving the contaminated world system and the corrupt, ungodly culture that is being pushed upon us at the same time that you say you love Jesus. Amen? I want to help some people here today. I told you last week that Martin Luther said this, the world does not need a definition of religion as much as it needs a demonstration. Right? In other words, a demonstration of lives that have been authentically changed. What kind of demonstration am I talking about? People who used to hate that don't hate anymore. Come on. People that used to cheat who don't cheat anymore. People that used to live like the devil all week long whose lives have now been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. People used to have addictions that now walk in freedom. Somebody say demonstration. Come on, that's what pure and genuine religion is. Pure and undefiled religion. He didn't say spotless. Thank the Lord. <laughs> right? Come on, he didn't say perfection. Because if he did, let's shut the lights down. Let's sell all the instruments. And let's go home and pack it up. Amen? Because we couldn't do it. In the Message Bible, it describes it as a religion that guards against corruption from the godless world. See, the truth is, most of us have heard the part about taking care of orphans and widows, right? We've heard that part of pure religion. But we don't hear nearly as much about the second half of that verse. Keeping yourself unspotted from the world. See, we don't hear much about that part. See, the social justice part of the gospel is being celebrated today like never before. Even unbelievers are celebrating it, right? But what about the take up your cross and die daily part of being a follower of Jesus? Amen? See, we need to dive into that challenging part of the passage today. Because I'm just going to tell you, it's a whole lot easier to write a check to take care of orphans and widows than it is to live the second half of James 1.27, not being unspotted by this world. Amen? Let me break down a verse that makes it a little more clear to us. 2 Corinthians 7 and 1. It says, because we have 
these promises, dear friends, let us, now notice, it says let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. That means internally and externally. And let us what? Work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Now there's two phrases that jump out to us from those verses. The first one says we're to cleanse ourselves from everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that can defile our body and our spirit. In other words, that's an ongoing process that includes anything that can defile me both internally and externally. But it also says this, amen. It says we're to work toward complete holiness. So you don't hear that word very much in church either, do you? It doesn't automatically happen, folks. You've got to work at it. People say, well, pastor, I'm not saved by my works. You're right, but guess what? You still have to produce some fruit in your life. Amen? Now, it also says working toward completion. Folks, you never get there. Hear me. Holiness is a journey, not an arrival point. Right? You can't punch the location into your spiritual GPS. You can't pin the location and set navigate and one day hear your phone go, you have arrived at your destination. See, it doesn't work that way. Amen? you got to keep working at it. And you know what I've learned in my life? Every time I feel like I get a little closer to the Lord, I see something else that needs my attention. Oh. How many of y'all, you have a mirror in your bathroom? Just by a show of hands, this is a try to, not a trick question. How many of you need to get a mirror in your bathroom? No. How many of you have one of those, I think they're called makeup mirrors, one of those little round mirrors, and on one side you look at it and it's normal, and then the other side you flip that baby over and you go, oh, Lord, have mercy, Jesus. I thought I had it all together on one side. But when I flip that other side over, guess what? I still got some work to do. Man, I got more hair growing out of my nose and my ears than on the top of my head at this season of life, right? You got more work to do. Guess what? The journey to purity is like flipping over the mirror and going, wow, I thought I had that under control. Wow. I'm doing so much better than I was, to God be the glory, amen, but I've still got a lot of work to do, and some people get frustrated in the process, and they just go, well, if this is is so futile, if I'm never going to get there, why do I do this? There's a lot of reasons why you do it. Number one, hopefully along the way during the journey, I'm becoming a better husband, I'm becoming a better father. I'm becoming a better dad, a a better pastor. Come on, somebody. I'm just becoming a better human being because I'm trying to live and be like Jesus. You know another reason why? The world is looking for people who don't just say they're Christians, but they act like, live like, present like, what? Come on, a Christ follower. Lives have really been changed. You know what? There's another reason why. The bridegroom is looking for a pure bride. Amen? And being less like the world starts with our thinking. Philippians 4 and 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, here it is, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know what our problem is? We're thinking, let's flip that. We're thinking about whatever is false. Whatever is ungodly. Whatever is wrong. Whatever is impure. Whatever is ugly. Whatever is grotesque. Come on, somebody. Whatever is a lie. Whatever is divine. We're caught up. And what we don't realize is it's the spirit of the world that's just sunk its tentacles right into us and is plaguing us and harming us and pulling us away. See, folks, the more I think about and understand what holiness and purity is, the more I realize just how far away from it I am. Come on, the more I understand what holiness really is, the more I realize how unholy I am. The more I understand what trying to stay unspotted by the world is, the more I realize how muddy the waters are. Come on, that we swim in every day. Just by getting up and going to work or going to school or going out or turning on the TV or watching the news. Man, folks, this world is crazy. I could go down a list of stuff that I've read just in the last week. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this really what's going on all around us? But you know one reason why I think this is such a complicated issue for us? I think one reason it's so hard to not feel worldly and carnal is because one of the mistakes that we've made in the church in the past is by putting so much emphasis on the outward man while neglecting the inward man. Come on. If you obey enough rules, if you check enough boxes, if you have your I can do this but I don't do that list just right, then I must be okay and I probably have arrived. Focusing on the externals more than that everybody else can see. The kind, that kind of thinking, folks, though it comes from an unhealthy religious spirit that can lead to a life of legalism or a misplaced emphasis on the wrong things. Say, really, pastor, is it really that way? Yeah, look at Proverbs 30 and 12. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. You flip the mirror, oh yeah, everything looks good. But you know what? We don't have a mirror that can get down in our soul and see what it's really like. Here's what Jesus said about it, and this is why we struggle. Matthew 23, 25. Man, you better be glad that Jesus ain't your pastor. Look, what, look at Jesus' sermon. Check this out. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And here's why he called them out. You clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside, you're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish. And then, everybody say then. Then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside you're full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you what? You appear to people. Everybody say to people. See, that's the problem. We're worried about how we appear to people. You appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Folks, often as Christians, you know what? We just need to hit the pause button and ask God, Lord, is there anything in my cup that needs to be washed? 
Not just the outside, but the inside of my cup. I was joking with Melissa uh, Pope this morning, and I had a coffee mug, and I just drank some coffee. She said, oh, pastor, I love that mug. I'd like to have a mug like that. I said, great, you can have it. So she was standing in the kitchen, and I poured my coffee out, and I rinsed it out, and I handed it to her, and I said, by the way, that's as much as my coffee cups get washed at the church. You know, we were joking about it. You know how you have the office coffee cup that you just rinse it out, and then you get a cup of coffee, and the next day you rinse it out, and you flip it over on the napkin, and you get another cup. Am I the only one that does that? Come on, somebody help a brother out. Amen. I can assure you, I don't get the rag and the soap every single morning. Amen. I rinse that baby out. I take my hands. I wipe it out. I get another cup of coffee. If there ain't something growing in there, you don't have a real good cup of coffee. Right? But you know what? That's how a lot of us live our lives. Oh, it looks, it's all shiny on the outside. Eh, there's a little bit of junk in there. Pour away anyway, baby. Uh, it's not too bad. Pour away. Uh, I, I, let me see what I can do. No, no, no. Jesus said, you got to start on the inside of the cup to make it right on the outside. Pastor, if I'm never going to arrive, why bother? Because purity and holiness are the very nature of God. Come on, just because I'm never going to be perfect by my works or my actions doesn't mean I just throw up my hands and I give license to my sinful flesh. Come on, just because there might be an area that I struggle in in my life doesn't mean I quit trying to overcome in Jesus' name. Come on, can I, you might struggle with some things in your life. Don't give up the struggle. See, purity is what the bridegroom is longing for in his bride. See, we don't say, I can never be good enough. So why even try? You know why? We're special in his eyes. Here's what the scripture said about us as the body of Christ. 1 Peter 2 and 9. You are a chosen people, royal priest, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. You were chosen to tell about the wonderful works of God. Who what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. I'm chosen, I'm royal, I'm holy, I'm God's own possession. We've got to do it in order to show this world a demonstration of pure religion. What does it mean when the Bible's talking about the world of worldliness? Is it really that bad, Pastor? Man, here's another verse, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, what? Love for the Father is not in them. Verse 16, for everything in the world, and then it defines it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God, what? Lives forever. Folks, it's no secret to anyone that there's a constant conflict between the value systems of our world and the world that we are called to as kingdom believers. The Bible has a lot to say about Christians and our relationship to the world. Because the culture that we live in provides more than enough toxins and contamination for any child of God, hear me, who is not proactive about detoxing from the world around you on a continuous basis. Amen. Today, as the body of Christ, we've got a very fine line to walk. 
between being true to God, yet trying to reach the people and the culture that is around us. Amen? To be salt and light without being engulfed by the darkness around us. And it's not always easy. But hear me, at the same time as somebody once said, we don't want to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Right? In our zeal to be relevant and and penetrating our culture, we've also got to remember, though, God did not call us to compete with the world. He called us to reach the world. Amen? Better yet, sometimes we have to confront the world and help lead it to godly change. Because hear me, I want to be relevant, I want to be relational, but we got to remember, though, that we've still been called to be set apart and called out. That's pure, pure religion. And when you draw those lines, you need to be able to determine if an influence in your life is moving you closer to God or further away from Him. Hear me, folks, the tricks of the devil are not new. They're not new. He uses whatever he can to counter the work of God in your life. Sometimes it's morality or philosophies or culture or art or music or entertainment. Amen. It could be media. It could be religion. It could be sports. You name it, he will use anything to oppose God and his people. He will. I could give you a list of all the crazy stuff going on just in the last two weeks that I've read about. And it will boggle your mind. But guess what? It's the spirit of the world. It's the spirit of the world. See, the Word of God teaches us that we are to deny worldly lust. To deny worldly lust means to disavow or to reject or to refuse those things out of life. The Bible said it in 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. See, the Word of God even states it this way, James 4 and 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God. And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Folks, that's strong. That's strong. Friendship with the world is hatred toward God. But we are taught in Romans 12 and 2 to not be conformed to this world. This means we're not to fashion our lives after the patterns of this world. Because the world, it's more than society or politics or economic systems. It's more than just activities or forms of entertainment or or attitudes and morals. Come on. The world is not evil in and of itself. God created this world. God created a lot of the things in it for us to enjoy and to help make life a little bit more enjoyable. Amen? Come on, Christians are not world haters, right? Man, I love life. <laughs> I love it. I enjoy many things that this world has done. Yesterday, I got to take my grandkids to King's Dominion. We had a blast. I mean, I love having a good time. I love the things. I'm thankful that I live in 2023 and not 1923. Amen? Man, I don't know about you. I love air conditioning. I'm very thankful it's blowing right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I love driving an automobile. I love living in a comfortable house. Amen. I love having good food. I love all. But you know what? I don't love any of those things more than I love God. So how do we manage all this? How do we keep this all straight? How do we? It's, the, the scripture gives us some good examples. Write this down if you don't know these verses. Titus 2, 11 and 12. I love this. It says, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. But look at verse 12. This shows you how to do it. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. And what do we do? We should live in this evil world with what? 
wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. We don't just build a, you know, a, a cult somewhere and some cloistered place and we all just move in and we build 15 foot walls and we don't let anybody in from the outside world. We don't, no, we don't live that way. No, this is not that kind of a, but the Bible says in the world. Your work world, your school world, your family world, your everyday life. Live with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. There it is. I like Romans 12 and 2 from the message. It says this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Oh. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll what? You'll be changed from the inside out. Hallelujah. Readily recognize that he want what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Amen. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, developing well-formed maturity in you. You see it's so easy folks to blend in when God still wants us to come out. And by the way, hear me, not everything is a sin. But just because we can do some things doesn't mean we should do some things. Come on, I'm trying to help us a little bit today, amen? Even in an area that you may have freedom, you still need to use discernment. You still need to be wise. There are some things that I know that I'm not biblically prohibited from doing, but I choose not to do them because I know it's not good for me. Amen? Some things that may appear to be harmless may in reality be toxic for you. And you need to use what? Discernment to recognize what those things are. Situations might vary, but the Word of God's filled with principles that allows us to judge every situation. Is this right or wrong? Here are some questions I want you to ask yourself when considering whether something is good for you or not. And I'm, I'm almost ready to close. Are you ready? I'm going to ask you some questions. You just apply them to your life. Here's a good way to define and determine if you're pursuing holiness and righteousness in your life. Number one, is it good for me? Is it good for me? Water's good for me. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Look at this. You say, I am allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Amen. I could give you specifics. I'm not going to today. But I've argued with people before. Well, what about this? What about this? What about this? I just want to go, where is that really leading you? Forget about the Bible for a minute. Let's just forget about scripture. Let's forget about religion for a minute. Where is that really leading you? How is that helping you? How is that helping your family? Where, what gateway is that taking you down? Come on, sometimes, you know, some of us, we're just waiting for somebody to tell us what's wrong with something when we know on the inside already that it's not right. And that leads you to the next question. Is it glorifying to God? And by the way, if you're asking that question, you probably already know the answer. <laughs> Is it glorifying to God? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now here's another question, and I love this question because it, it, it raises the bar a little bit higher. It's not easy. Is it a stumbling block? 
well, I don't struggle with this. I'm not going to become addicted. I'm not, this isn't, under, but is it a stumbling block? See, I'm just talking to the mature Christians now. See, because mature Christians understand it's not just all about you. Can I get on my soapbox just for a minute? Not everything in life is about you. Not everything is about your feelings. Not everything is about just how does this make me feel. Not everything is about do I feel safe. Do I feel protected? Do I feel heard? Not everything is about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, see, I told you you needed to come to church today. <laughs> it's not. Now, I understand self-care. I understand all that stuff. But you know what? Sometimes we take this stuff too far. Is it a stumbling block? Look at the scripture, 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. Again, I'm talking to mature believers. But you must be careful. So what? That your freedom does not cause others, what? With a weaker conscience to stumble. I'm not responsible for other people. Yes, you are. To a degree, yes, you are. Now, you're not going to stand on judgment day for anybody. But I also don't want anybody to stand on judgment day and go, but what about him? What, what, I, I wasn't, I was too immature in the Lord, I didn't really, come on, I'm talking about, is it a stumbling block? I'm trying to help somebody right now. Here's another question to ask yourself, is it a weight or is it a sin? By the way, there are differences. Hebrews 12 and 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, what? Let us, two things, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. But especially the sins that so easily trip us up. Did you know there's some things that are just a camera person trying to keep up with me? Help out here, brother. I want to walk around a little bit today. There's some things that are just weights. And they just hold you down. They may not even cause you to backslide. They may not even cause you to, to wreck your life. But some things are weights, and you're carrying them around, and they're slowing you down, and you wonder why you're not living the way you want to be living. All you got to do is look at the weight on your back. But there's other things. They're not just weights. They're sins. You know it's a sin, but you're allowing it anyway, and the Bible says that the sins will what? Trip you up. They don't just slow you down, they stop you in your tracks. And sometimes when we get tripped up, it's not always easy to get back up. It's awful quiet in here today. I hope you're getting what I'm talking about today. Come on. Is it a weight or is it a sin? And by the way, don't wait for your small group leader to come and call, call it out of your life. Don't wait for your pastor to name it. I can name stuff right now. You wait for me to name it. I ain't got to name it. You already know. The Holy Spirit's already been talking to you about it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He's already been talking to you about it. It's a weight. It's a stumbling block. It's a sin. And then the good old question from my generation. What would Jesus do? See, you thought that was just a cute bracelet, but check this verse out, 1 John 2 and 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives, what? As Jesus did. You didn't know that came right out of the Bible, did you? 
what would Jesus do? What would he do? And then I, here's a test for you. Here's a good scripture to apply. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. Here's a good way to live your life. Are you ready? Test everything. Look at this. Keep what is good in verse 22 and stay away from everything that is evil. Ah, man, that was worth the price of admission right there. All right, what, what, what do I do, Pastor? What, test everything. Keep what's good. Throw away what's bad. It's not complicated. Quit trying to complicate it. Test everything. Keep the good. Throw away the evil. Amen. Thanks for that applause over there. Amen. What do we do? We're doing it because we want to be right with God. We want to be pure. We want to be holy. Guys, I, I grew up with the wrong definition of holiness. I grew up with the wrong definition. And I, I didn't even know that it was so much deeper. It was so much an inside issue. But that's how you have pure religion. I want the praise team and musicians to come. I'm going to close with just a couple of more tips I want to give you. And if you have a pencil, you might want to write these down. Here's some tips on how to live holy in this generation. Are you ready? Number one, know your why. Know your why. And let me just give you a practical example so you can, you can see an example of how to live this out. you got to know your why. It's one of the most important things we should be communicating. For so many years, I knew my what, but I didn't know my why. Do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. Everybody say what? But I didn't know my why. All right, I'm going to give you a practical example. I'm going to speak to all the young adults. I'm going to speak to all the teenagers. I'm going to speak to every single adult in the room. Let's use this one example. Premarital sex. Nobody talks about that in church, so I thought I'd throw that one in. Now you're perked up. Why? Everybody's awake now. <laughs> Hear me. you got to know your why. It's not about not having sex before marriage. But rather it's about what am I going to do in this area of my life and in this season of my life to be obedient to the Word of God. Hear me, it's not just about saying no to my flesh or no to my partner or no to my desires or no to my hormones. It's also about saying yes to obeying the Word of God, to having a better sex life when I'm actually married, to not walking around feeling guilty because of what I did in the backseat of a car on Friday night. Come on. It's not just about the no, it's about the yes. It's about the why. And if you shift your perspective on your thinking, if you approach stuff not from the negative base, not from the penalty box, not from the what's going to happen to me if I break this rule. Instead, you need to go, what's going to happen to me if I live this way? Know your why? Use that when you think about alcohol. Use that when you think about recreational drugs. Use that when you think about your media choices. Use that when you think about the jokes that you crack at work. Know your why. Number two, and you already know this, but I got to say it anyway. Pray and read the Word. If you want to be pure, pray and read the Word of God. Come on. 
Work in some time every day. Get up earlier in the morning. Talk to God on your way to work. Talk to way on your God home from work. Talk to God throughout the day. Do whatever you need. Read the Bible. Even if you only read a chapter a day. Even if you only go to the Bible app and you, and you let them navigate you through the verse of the day. Get in the Word. Everybody say pray and read the Word. Here's another way you live a pure life. Are you ready? Have a solid community. What am I talking about? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Come on. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Being unequally yoked does not just mean who you marry. Hallelujah. Because hear me, if you lie with dogs, you're going to catch fleas. That's just how it works, amen? you got to pick your community. That doesn't mean I don't have any friends that are not Christians. Of course not. If you're reading into that, you're just trying to ditch and dodge what I'm trying to say. But you need people in your life that are life-giving community. Amen? What am I talking about? Christian friends. I'm talking about you need to join a small group. You might as well get used to it. We're going to harp on it all the time. If this is your church, get used to it. You need to join a small group. You need to serve on a dream team. Say, ah, oh, you're just trying to get work out of me. No, I'm not. I'm trying to tell you, when you have life-giving community, it changes your life. It gives you accountability. It gives you somebody who's going the same direction you are. You become equally yoked. And you have people who can help you in the journey. Have a solid community. People thrive in God-honoring relationships and when you have loving accountability. I'll say it again. You thrive when you have God-honoring relationships and when you have loving accountability. Last three things. Number one, you got to. Number four, you got to protect your heart and mind. Garbage in, garbage out. Guard what you take in via social media, entertainment, and conversation. What you take in does have an effect on your life. Number five, you got to have boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. We've gotten real good, and I'm glad. In 2023, we've gotten a lot better about emotional boundaries. But we also need to create some boundaries of the areas of our life that we're weak in. Amen. If you don't want to drink, don't go to the bars. Hello. At some points, this becomes a, an, an IQ test. Right? If you don't want to, hook, to join the hookup culture, don't go to the clubs. If you don't want to be a gossip, stop gossiping. Everybody say boundaries. Most of us know what the boundaries are we need to build in our life. We just don't want to do it because our flesh doesn't want to do it. And I know I'm in the Holy Ghost because it is tight up in here. And then the last point I want to make, if you want to be a pure believer, repent. Regularly. Regularly. If the last time you repented was the day you invited Jesus into your life, you need to run to this altar. Come on. You got to repent regularly. What do the scriptures say in Psalm 51 and 10? Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. 
You, won't, you know why you need to repent regularly? Because you don't stop lusting. You don't stop hating. You don't stop being mad with people who offend you. Can I talk to some real people in the house? Amen. You don't stop feeling greedy. You don't stop feeling your flesh rise up when you're having a bad day. And especially if you haven't been praying and reading the Word, all that stuff just starts coming back up to the surface. God, wash me. Cleanse me. Renew my mind. God, I had a bad attitude yesterday. Forgive me. Let this be a better day. Lord, I was mean. I said hateful things to my wife. God, forgive me. Why am I such an idiot? Help me to shut my mouth. Lord, I, I wasn't a good dad. I, 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 come on, folks. Repent and ask God to shine the light. Because remember, when you flip that mirror around, it doesn't lie. It's just showing you what's there. I want you to stand with me in this room. Pure religion. It's not just about taking care of orphans. It's not just about ministering to the people who've been marginalized. It's about trying to be untainted by this world. Folks, it's a journey. It's a process. There's not enough rules that you can write that will make you holy. There's not enough good deeds that you can do that will make you righteous. It's a daily walk with the Lord. And it's a desire to please Him more than I please myself. So I'm going to open up this altar, and I'm going to invite you to come. And it's my hope that it's everyone's desire. Lord, I just want to be more like you. I want to be a bride that you as the bridegroom can be proud of. I want to present myself to you, Lord, as pure and clean as I can be. And on the days I mess up, God, I'm going to repent. I'm going to try to do better. And I'm going to do this all the days of my life so I can enjoy the blessing and favor of the Lord. As the praise team begins to sing, I want you to come. Would you step out from where you are? Would you join me at this altar and just say, God, I just, I just want you. you. Nothing, nothing else matters. I just want you. And nothing my righteousness, God, it's just Nothing filthy rags. I just want you, God. I just want you. I want you to help me, Lord. Help me to be more like you, God. Help me to crucify my flesh when I need to crucify my flesh. Help me to repent when I need to repent, God. Lord, help me to lay it on the altar. Come on, folks, that's it. I want to be more like Jesus. Else I want to be more like Jesus. I just want you. I want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. God, I want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. 
Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.